Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. There was a moment where we were walking between tailgates, and I, I just, I didn't know what the f*** was going on. It's walking distance, but you just, you go through different, just ecospheres, man. There's, there's literally like a big cylindrical rusting tower of something and jungle, like palm trees and I don't know, elm, magnolia, whatever the Spanish moss is called. This is called Spanish moss off behind us the whole time. Like I had to like consciously bring myself back to reality. Bentley, you are drunk walking around some swamp and you're still going to attend a three-hour football game. Hello and welcome to The Drunken Jaguar. This is an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. This is Bentley Brown and I am joined via call by Asad. Asan, I want to start off by saying this past weekend, I was able to attend my first home Jaguars game at the bank, TIAA bank, that is formerly Altel, maybe a few other names in between there. I was blown away by the hospitality, camaraderie, and utter debauchery of Jaguars tailgaters at the slab and somehow I made it to other tailgates as well in this epic victory a game I thought for a while might have been an unwise use of money and then became one of the most brilliant experiences of my sport going career but more on that in a bit I said have you recovered from this latest and greatest of the cardiac cats. <laughs> I honestly do not think I have recovered yet, man. And, you know, I was actually thinking this right before the game started. I was, like, FaceTiming you, and I was, like, telling my friends. I was, like, I'm so jealous, man. Like, I wish I could be there at this game. And then about, yeah, 30, 45 minutes later, I was, like, man, I am glad I didn't go to this game. This would have been really sad, a waste of money, a sad flight home. And then, of course, a couple hours later, I was like, I hate my life because I wish I was there so badly to experience that that game, man. And when you're there at the game, I, I don't think you have a choice, right? You're you're there to stay. But there's probably, you know, people that aren't Jaguars fans that are just football fans that love watching the playoffs that probably turn their TV off watching this game. Of course, I didn't do that. And I hope no Jaguars fan did that because if you did you really missed out on the greatest comeback I've seen as a fan of a team. 
So it, it was just amazing, man. I didn't know what to think. I thought I was dreaming for a second. It felt like we, we won the damn Super Bowl for a second because it was just, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And I can't wait to hear about your experience there, man, because I, I bet it was crazy. And I'm glad I wasn't with you because I don't know what you would have done to even keep me in, in line if I was there. I said, man, you would have been a total liability. <laughs> <laughs> there was this moment where I had met up with this uh, childhood friend that we'd gone to elementary school together. We're sitting there watching people j- jump off of ladders into like a crowd dive, crowd surf. <laughs> wow. Sounds like fun. And f- fireworks <laughs> are being lit from the parking lot. There is a group of people. I don't know how I feel about this, but they borrow our lighter to start burning a Patrick Mahomes jersey. <laughs> yep. Over the top, but okay. And we look at each other and we're like, okay, <laughs> it might be time to start making our way to the stadium now. And given this is still, this is like right after sunset. I mean, there's still maybe a couple hours until the game starts. The tailgate scene in Jacksonville is amazing. And compared to going to like a Cowboys game, you know, in Dallas, it's not even Dallas, right? It's like Arlington, Texas, and you walk basically into this suburban mess of parking lots and roads. And the tailgate is basically the extent of people setting up tents on cement back to back to back. And that's it. That's basically it. My experience at the slab, dirt roads, food stalls, lights are lit, celebratory atmosphere. You're walking through like the smoke of a barbecue and shit. It had some like nostalgia level feeling that was being evoked here. Okay. (laughs) And I'd never been before. Just gorgeous. And it's all taking place in this area kind of south, southwest and southeast of the stadium which is a mixture of neighborhood and what to me as an outsider kind of our newcomer felt almost like almost like swamplands like these sort of like I don't know who owns them but like these like big just not de- really developed uh areas of land. Yeah. And you have the bridges across the river on either side of you. It just feels like you've entered a portal into some other unworldly dimension. And this, the second you approach and you find Eric Dunn shouting into a megaphone as people spin a bottle of tequila and sip from it, and you know you have entered another dimension. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I, I bet it was a great experience. And, you know, they had to do it up, too. You guys did because we knew, I mean, there was a very high chance that even if they won the game, like they're not going to come back home for the rest of the season, right? And play another game over there. So got to take advantage of that one. It was most likely going to be the last home game for this season. Of course, there were some scenarios in which it wouldn't necessarily be the case. But with that in mind, everything was kind of amped up a little bit more than normal, or so they say. So parking was like exorbitant. I mean, everywhere, every every person's yard that was offering parking, every company that was offering parking, every lot that was offering parking had jacked up their prices. And you would often see like our usual price, and then that's like slashed through and you add 20 bucks to it, whatever, right? So it was like, so like going to someone's yard could be up to $80. Mm-hmm. And the slab, the slab was was sixty bucks, and and for me, I just 
I just been told to go there. I mean, and this is I didn't really have any other point of reference. So I guess it was an it was an easy call in the end. But that's of course exorbitant for 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 you know just parking. This was not just parking. Now to get there, I got pulled over by police. Did I tell you that? You did not tell me that. Man, so. You know, I kind of like exit. I'm coming from the beach and I go over the bridge into downtown and you start taking like a right and another right and everything. As I'm doing that already from the second you get off that ramp, people are trying to, I guess, like uh, entice you to come park on their property. I'm assuming there's like official stadium property that you can access from around that area as well. And as I'm trying to navigate it, because Google Maps has given me one thing, my, my rental car's navigation system has given me another route. And fortunately, this tailgate property, the slab, is on Google Maps, so you do have an idea of where exactly to enter. There's roads that are, like, suddenly cut off or, like, partly cut off. And I saw this roadblock deal that was only cutting off one lane, which I found to be kind of bizarre. And there was a police SUV kind of behind it, but there wasn't anything written. It wasn't, like, you know, road closed one way or whatever. It was just blocking that section that a police car happened to be behind. So I, f- I figured, eh, well, I can go around it and then take this this right turn that I needed to get to my tailgate destination. <laughs> and so the second I do that, an officer who's out of his car says, hey, stop right there, da 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 like pulls me over. Like I put my window down, pulls me over, and I'm thinking, they probably have, I don't know if they have like a rear cam or whatever, but I'm probably on some camera. And he says, yeah, you need to wait up right here. Why He said, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? And I was like, uh, I'm trying to get to my tailgate, bro. It's like, okay, you wait here, wait here, I'll get to you, right? So he goes into the SUV, the, the squad car. He's got some printed out violation thing, whatever. And and he walks towards me, then makes a right and hands that to some other car. So I'm like, oh, f- okay, <laughs> I'm next. You know, I'm like, I'm like, man, $60 parking, which I didn't even know it was gonna be 60. I thought it was gonna be 40 at the time, which they said was already high, but. I'm like, man, this is this is gonna be like a hundred fifty dollar parking today. <laughs> You're right. And he he finally he gets back to me. I lower I lower my window. I'm also in this rental car. Uh, I went from Orlando. They had run out of cars, and in a last ditch effort to keep customers pseudo happy, they they actually brought all these Teslas and started handing out Teslas to people. You're lying. So I'm in a Tesla. No way, dude. I'm in a Tesla. <laughs> I look like a total douchebag. Nothing I say can redeem me. I'm gonna, what do I say? Oh, I'm, I'm. It's my first time down here, right? Like, oh, I'm coming in from Texas. Oh, there's nothing I can say. Right. And so, so I roll the window down one last time. I'm waiting for him to like hand over a ticket or something, and he doesn't. <laughs> Instead, he returns shaming me. So, so he goes, "Let me ask you, why'd you do that? You, you saw the block, right? Why, why would you, why would you do that?" <laughs> and and he says, "Look behind you. <laughs> Look what you've caused." And I see. Seven cars behind me trying to do that exact same turn around the blockade. And he goes, yeah, I just need you to go back from the way you came. And we're going to have to make them all go back. Uh, and I'm I'm usually, man, <laughs> you, you might it might not be a miss to hear me say a cab or, you know, f- f- the police or whatever. In this case, <laughs> I'm like, yes, sir, <laughs> yes, sir, <laughs> absolutely, you. officer. I, 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 you know, as the, as like the the image of the slab is disappearing in my mind, I know Tony Baselli's arriving there, and I'm like, dude, whatever you say, Mister Officer. Whew. So I made it out unscathed, man. No ticket meant more money to spend later. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, you had one thing on your mind, right? You were just trying to get to your destination. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm I'm glad you ma- made it there, and I want to know what the atmosphere is like because on TV, 
you know, you could hear it, man. You could see it. You could hear it. It it, it sounded loud. It it looked loud. It looked packed. Yeah, for sure. And it, it looked like everyone was, you know, you, it's it's not it's not strange to go to a Jaguars game and see fans of the opposing team, but at this game, it it did not seem like it. Granted, we know the Chargers don't have a huge fan base, so it could have been different with a with a different opponent. But it seemed like it was all Jaguars fans, and they looked like they were getting rowdy. Uh, is that true? How was it in there? That's true, 100%. And you can tell from the first minute that you're there, man. The second I enter that parking lot, you know, I'm driving. You're driving through the crowd. Like, that's how old school this is. It's not It's not cut and clean. There's no regulations. There's no guiding tape. It's absolute chaos, and I loved it. Yep. And I'm arriving. My this you know police episode here is happening around 4 p.m. That's considered late for tailgating, all right, for these people, bro. It was... I know there's people that were showing up in the morning over there. The slab itself opened at 1. By the time I'm there, after 4 p.m., it's it's just full-on uh, party mode. You know, it was great just getting to catch up with people, some of whom I had met during the Jaguars away game in Houston, the first one with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer last season. There were even some, there were a couple Chargers fans, even at the tailgates walking through. And, and obviously, people were shouting at them, you know, the Chargers. Some some people are coming up and and acting all serious and saying, "I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm really sorry for you." <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it was complete Jaguars at this point, man. It was we hundred percent were going to win. You know, two hours into this tailgate, and I you know saying this to my friend Chris as well from you know from childhood. I'm like, I don't even I can't even conceive of the fact that I'm actually going to be walking into a playoff NFL playoff stadium right now. Yep. So eventually, you know, we go to this other tailgate that is it's taking place at Channel 7 News or something, some like NPR affiliate radio and television station. Literally from the tailgate to go to the bathroom, you you take a laminated access card <laughs> and walk past some security desk and then like a NPR all things considered poster <laughs> to get to the the bathroom line it was it was so funny and and throughout this whole area it's you just see all forms of celebration and people are just in great moods there's the places that are focusing mostly on music there's places that are all about the the barbecue Honestly, there's some places that looked again like it's like total swamplands. I feel like I'm going through the movie like Children of Men, some or, or The Last of Us, some post-apocalyptic scene here with like a <laughs> like a side overflow reservoir pool and like the river bank in the background, and we're under some big urban bridge, and someone's people are dancing around a fire. You can see their shadows on the column of the bridge, and ah, oh, it was it was cinematic. It was cinematic. And entering the game was just as rowdy and busy. I mean, huge lines just to get in. And this was, again, I, f- I would consider it late going into the stadium, but about an hour before kickoff. Getting up to my seat, uh, you know, I, I walk by the people that are all holding the giant American flag, getting prepped to go in and unfurl that during the national anthem. I get up to my seat, obviously sold out crowd, not an empty seat in the house. And I did something I haven't done before at an NFL game or any game for that matter. I didn't move from my seat the whole game. Really? No way. You didn't, so not even to go to the bathroom? What if you needed a beer? Did you drink anything? How'd that, how'd that work out? Don't, oh, don't worry, my friend. I had a pre-packaged uh, whiskey 
shot from the slab that was in someone's cooler. Okay. <laughs> right. So now that that got that got consumed after the second interception. So <laughs> I, I I could have honestly used some more. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you you miss a game and in like an important game like that, you you don't want to move and. There's no real real right time in a football game to go to the bathroom except really halftime and we know how the how those lines get at halftime during any sporting event so it makes a lot of sense and you know the the way you're describing uh like what you're seeing I'm trying to like see visualize through your eyes and it sounds like a lot like you took some like mushrooms or something man the way you're describing all this I don't know some kind of drugs or you were just uh high on football I don't know which one it was, but it, sound, it sounds beautiful. I was high on something. <laughs> I was high on something. And it was, it was also getting really cold, too. So that's kind of yeah. creeping up on you as the night's going by. And shout out to Made by Tim. So Tim with uh, Do right. Till We Die, DTWD. Uh, he had he had given some really great advice. I mean, you know, you and I were familiar with Colorado weather. And we, we to us, you know, that like 30 degree, 30 degrees, 40 degrees kind of thing isn't, isn't really much of a thing. But... You can kind of trick yourself when you're in Florida. I mean, I had definitely not brought any gloves or, or cold weather wear with me. And especially when you're static and standing exposed in an outdoor stadium, it, it that cold starts to seep down to your bones. So <laughs> yeah. he was great in giving just some reminders of, hey, make sure to have some layers on you. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I was like, because it was what, in the low 40s, I was like, that's a... That's a pretty cold day, right, over there. And even even in northern Florida, that's a chilly day. and. And like you mentioned, it's it's nothing new to people that have lived in cold places, especially like Colorado, you know, where it's cold and it snows and stuff. But yeah, it's a little different when you're in a warm place, especially with the humidity. It's it's a different kind of cold, too. But I'm sure it was warm when you got in the stadium and, you know, the adrenaline and there's a lot of people around you. So it, it couldn't have been too bad. It, it didn't look like it impacted the players at all who are used to playing in Florida, too. <laughs> Uh, should, should, should we talk about football? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, you know, you kind of forget that there was actually a, a game played too now. So uh, I, I just got to, I got to ask you though, real quick, like what was going through your mind? You know, first possession, they had like just done on TV, like the introductions, you know, NBC does, you know, the introductions where every player introduces their name and the college they went to. And those introductions, I think the pick was right after the Jaguars' offensive introductions. Yeah. And like, well, what is going through your mind while all these turnovers are happening? Because it seemed like it had, they happened like back to back to back to back to back. So <laughs> we were in the bowl, the 200 section, and in the corner, and then a corner sort of facing where the Jaguars were starting off in that possession. So we had pretty good seats. However, I would say. Without the aid of replay, there's no way that we could tell that it was a double-tipped ball before being picked off. Yeah. So number one is just confusion. Don't, don't know what the f*** is going on. Definitely a reminder of the Jets game where Trevor turned it over fairly early in a strip sack. So that's that's the first feeling. Now, of course, behind me, I have an already drunk, uh, very loud uh, super fan of the type who yells top of his lungs after every single development on field. <laughs> this includes f- the refs, uh, you know, what the f- are you f- kidding me? And then also comments like, well, it's okay. It's what we do. It's what we do. No, really? So at this point, when he <laughs> sees this interception early in the game, he starts yelling, <laughs> you know, no, no worries. It's what we do. We got this, right? Now, that, that continued 
turnover after turnover until you may not believe this, but the guy fucking left. He took off. No way. Like left and did not return. He took off. Second quarter left did not return. Wow. You th- you think he st- stuck around or you think he went home? Uh, I think I think I would hope he stuck around. Seemed like he was a pretty devoted dude, but I, I honestly I honestly don't know. Oh man. Well, I mean, where would he have gone? Just start hanging out in standing room? Did he go to his car to go watch it by himself? I, I'm just curious to where he would have gone. And imagine if he did leave. That guy is, was probably hating himself later. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so we were in disbelief, man. It was, and to me, one of the things that sums up my experience with this game is that I don't have any commentary, which apparently that was a good thing. I have gone back and rewatched Al Michaels and Tony Dungy's calls of this, which they don't rub me the wrong way as much as other people are saying. Like, I, I think the, both those guys are fairly minimal to begin with. They are, correct. And, uh, and in a good way, bizarrely, <laughs> Al Michaels' lack of enthusiasm actually kind of downplays the absurdity of the Jaguars terrible performance in that first half mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. un- unfortunately it comes with the cost of the the main voice on some of these amazing plays in the second half is just couldn't be any less excited but I'm thinking Trevor is in his head the pressure's getting to him and this is an utter collapse and we're all talking about CJ Beathard coming in in the stands Right in my in my in my section at least oh me too <laughs> me too me too and to hear Trevor talk about it after the game, in his mind, it apparently it was something like of the four picks, he thinks, or it sounds like only one, maybe two of them were actually bad decisions on his part as a quarterback. And we can see one, it was like by the third, I think third or fourth pick, he clearly made a bad bad decision, bad read, you know, underthrows, and Asante Samuel winds up with his, at that point, like third interception. But, you know, to be fair with the deflections and also what many would argue was a very blatant foul on uh, Zay Jones, you know, Trevor actually wasn't really mentally derailed from the game because of these yes. picks. And and if anything, it might be that instinctual feeling when you throw an interception that, hey, the first thing I want to do is get back on the field. <laughs> throw another pick. <laughs> and lead my team to a scoring drive, you know, as opposed to like just a absolute deflating lack of confidence and <laughs> another pick. Yeah. Next thing you want to do is go out there and throw another interception. Yeah. But you know, it seemed like those chargers uh, DBs were just draped around these guys. And I think that's like the main difference you see live versus on the TV, because on the TV, they show the quarterback and then they showed the pass thrown, but you don't really get that all 22 kind of view where you get in person. But then of course on TV, you, you kind of see more clearly what's happening, you know, you can see a ball being caught or a holding when it's actually happening. You know, those are things that in person versus on the television screen. So it's hard to decipher. But it just seemed like these guys were draped all over the Jaguars. It was kind of like last year, remember, when those Jaguars receivers just couldn't get open. Like there was no space. Every time the ball was thrown, it seemed like there was a guy there like right on one of our targets, right? And that's what it seemed like. And then you you look back at it, and it seemed like there was a lot of holdings and a lot of missed calls, and they were just kind of letting them play. And, I mean, it kind of went both ways, too. So I didn't really understand Joey Bosa and a lot of the Chargers bitching about some calls because, I mean, they missed a lot of calls. So at least they were consistent with that. Joey Bosa said the, about the refs, he says they're probably colluding in their, in their break room after the game and saying, you see that yeah, I showed him, you know, <laughs> f- 
that guy. And he says, oh, I'm f***ing sick of those people. That's the way he talked about the refs, Joey Bosa. He honestly sounded like such a child in that interview. I was like, oh, my goodness, man. And, I mean, I think the penalties on him were warranted, right? His unsportsmanlike, I think they were. I don't think there was a holding on Jawan Taylor, the call that he wanted. Maybe he had a case for that false start, but the holding, I didn't see it. I think he was really just frustrated with his performance. I don't know what was going on with Jawan Taylor, man, because uh, I guess Walker Little was sort of the highlight on the offensive line of the day with zero pressures. Now, Jawan uh, had several, and I'm sure on the broadcast you could see this too, several near false starts, several, numerous, all right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. for whatever reason, it was kind of funny. The guy on my other side is this uh, guy... Uh, who's there with his dad, and he's offering a lot of, you know, just breakdowns of the game here. And, and I, I shared with him, oh, I have this, you know, Jaguars podcast. And he's like, oh, cool, cool. And, and at some point, <laughs> I say, I'm a complete dumbass. And I say, oh, man, <laughs> Cam Robinson keeps jumping off sides before the play starts. Oh, boy. And he's like silent. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, f- uh, Jawan Taylor, you know, Cam's not even in the game, right? Right. Yeah. Guys like, uh, what podcast do you have again? I will stay away from that one. Thanks, though. Yeah, probably for the wiser. Mm-hmm. But no, Jawan, yeah, Jawan seemed very jittery. And it started to really, uh, I started to get nervous about it as the game's uh, closeness increased and the Jaguars were what felt like we're on this upward trend towards a comeback win in that second half. I mean, and by the way, from the first, from the touchdown that the Jaguars scored at the end of the first half, Suddenly, you have this belief that shit, this might be the game. They really might come back here. So I do want to give credit where credit's due. And, and if Trevor really was honest about not viewing those picks as as uh, mistakes, I mean, you can kind of feel it by that first touchdown. Yeah, I and mean, that was the biggest score of the game, right? Because they felt like they had to get some points on the board, and it had to be a touchdown before they went into the locker room because. They also had to realize they are not getting the ball after halftime, right? Didn't the Chargers start with it after half? Yep. Chargers got the ball back. Yeah. Yep. And I believe they went three and out right away. Or they uh, they might have actually sustained a, a pretty pretty good drive there. I don't know if that's where they got their three. It was it's honestly hard to even look back and remember. Like I said, it all feels like a dream, but yeah, that first touchdown was huge. And I think that turnover that's kind of getting overlooked was that one on special teams where it bounces off of clay brooks i think that's who it was yep and charges recover it and they recover it with you know in the deep red zone too it had to have been within the 10 yard line and i believe the jaguars held to three there and i thought that was just a huge stop for the defense i mean that's what this defense has been right they've been good in situations they've come up big when we've needed them to and sometimes they've they bent, but but they didn't break, and they really saved this team on Saturday. I, I I give them way more credit than the offense because when you see your offense playing like this, right, you, you're turning the ball over. We're on the field all night long. These guys keep picking up first downs. We're tired. It's really easy to hang your head and give up as a defense, as a unit, and be like, well, shit, we lost. They're putting up points. Our offense can't even get a first down even if they do they turn the ball over and then they leave us to defend half a field and we gotta we gotta do everything like everything's on our shoulders right it's not very complimentary Mm -hmm. i thought that i mean that takes a lot of heart man from a defense to really stick in there and not give up on your team and not give up on your quarterback so 
I think that showed a lot, and I, I gained a lot more respect for this defense on Saturday. I was going to ask you, when did at what point did you feel that the Jaguars were going to win the game? I didn't. I I never felt it. I never felt it. I thought maybe the good fortune kind of ran out. You know, obviously when they scored at the end of the first half, I was like, okay, back to the drawing board. We got to come out. We got to get a stop, right? And you know, we get that. You make it twenty-seven fourteen. And when it's 30-14, third quarter's winding down, I'm like, okay, well, it's a 16-point game. But if we score and get this two points, I don't think we're out of it. So we score, and we score quickly, too, which I thought was huge. You know, it was that over-the-top shot to Zay Jones. Mm -hmm. And we don't get the two-point conversion, which should have been a a holding. I think that was to Zay Jones, too, on the two-point conversion. So I was like, we're down 10. We have a whole fourth quarter to play, but we haven't really stopped these guys. Uh, I know they haven't really scored in the second half, but they were moving the ball pretty consistently to where, if anything, they can milk that clock and use that clock towards their advantage. And thank God they have Brandon Staley on the other side, and they pretty much abandoned the run game, and they were trying to run up the scores. Really questionable coaching by the Chargers, I would say, but they kept... The Jaguars kept getting the ball back, right? The one time I thought we really had a chance is I was like, okay. After we score, I was like, we need one stop. All we need is one stop, and preferably a three and out would be great, and that's exactly what they got. I think there was a penalty or a sack, something that backed them up a little bit, forced a long third down, and once we got that stop, I was like, I think we have a chance now. Well, I think we legit have a chance. It was going to be hard either way. I I, th- I think, obviously, if you ask anyone, what would you say the play of the game was? Because I think we'll we'll agree here. Especially given what's happened all season. Oh, f- you said obviously. Yeah. Well, for me, it's the fourth and one where Doug calls timeout right as the ball is being snapped. Trevor's uh, visibly upset from my vantage point. He felt like they were going to convert their comeback and then they run the sweep to, or the toss, sorry, to Etienne, who uh, and I've seen some cool breakdowns of this play on, on Twitter, but who's basically able to get around the corner and have this one-to-one against Asante Samuel, who, you know, already has three interceptions and, you know, had the Chargers won, could have been the MVP of the game. But Etienne is just too fast, man. Gets that first down and now you know uh, game's in our in our hands. But I don't know. What was you? What was the play of the game for you? Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, absolutely. And it's first of all, it's a unique play call. It's a gutsy play call. It's another example of Doug just putting his nuts nuts on the table and and saying, you know, hold these. Basically, you know, we've seen these moments, and we've seen these moments a ton this season, especially early in the season, where he was criticized. I mean, us being, you know, nobodies in this big world, right? we criticized him for some of these fourth down play calls and like, why is he doing this? Why is he running here? Why is he throwing on third and two just to, I mean, we could get back to that in a second, but throwing on third and short just to go for it on fourth and short and not get it. Why didn't we just sneak it twice? Why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? But I thought those, that was just such a ballsy play. And to even backtrack on that, another moment was going for that two point conversion because it made no sense to me. I was like, what the hell are we doing? Just, Kick the extra point. I don't care if we're on the one-yard line because there was a constant theme this season, right? How many games do you think we lost? Or at least you could be like, man, if we would have got this one, one fourth and one, we would have won this game. I feel like I said that about the Jaguars five, six, seven times this season where we could have won a game, whether it was early 
in the second quarter or if it was in the third quarter or fourth quarter where we couldn't convert on a fourth and one. And fourth and one was our poison this season. So picking that one up and that play call, it, it was just great. No, it's fantastic. We we in our section I had people to another, another category of person is kind of like back around behind my shoulder or these like three. They're all like uncles, they're like the the sports talking uncle, right? Who's there? <laughs> and and we the second we call that timeout, we man, it was met by some cynicism. What the fuck, man? Because now you got it. Now you're taking us from three timeouts down to two. So if we don't convert this, Chargers have the ball back on their sort of around midfield, right? And you only have two timeouts to stop them and theoretically get the ball back. And you're basically giving yourself almost almost no chance time-wise right. by by using up one of your timeouts to do that. But then we're like, well, why why did this happen? Well, and they're saying, yeah, it's some Dougie P uh, ballsy energy. Yep. What is it? Manif- manifest. Manifest the shit. You know? Man- manifest those balls, right? Yeah, <laughs> worked out. Worked out for the best, and you know, I haven't even had a chance to hear Pete Prisco's take on this week's game. But I don't know. It might be all praise this week because that was a very, very, very impressive uh, play call at a at a very monumental moment. Where I knew we were going to win the game personally was the going for two. Um, you know, before our final drive. So uh, when we are, what is it? Yeah, it'd be 26-30. Yeah, it was, it was with five, five minutes left in the game. We go for two to make it 28-30. Yep. That was a really, really big moment where I felt that not only have we put ourselves in a position to win by a field goal at the risk of missing that two-point conversion and not even being able to tie the game with a field goal, forcing yourself in a, in a situation where you have to score a touchdown. Even just calling that two-point conversion, I said to myself, I, I believed uh, we're going to win this game. I felt at that point it was more likely that we would win this game than lose. Yeah, uh, that was huge. And I I disagreed with it when it was happening. I was uh, screaming. Uh, I just didn't love it, uh, you know, the analytics say one thing, but I'm just like, you just got to take the points because if you get this ball back and you don't have enough time, let's be realistic. If the Chargers pick up a first down or two, we would have got the ball back with way less time than we actually did. The Jaguars are fortunate because they got the ball back in like a minute and a half. So they had like three minutes and change to work with. Since you're wondering, Pete, basically his his criticism was clock management at the end which I disagree with because I thought they managed it fine. Uh, I didn't really like the the run that went backwards, but he he wanted to get a little closer. Whatever, that's fine. And the third and the third and two, right? Or the third and one, right? Was the third and one with the play right before the Etienne run where they throw the pass? Yeah, yeah, we didn't even need it to have that. Yeah, yeah exactly. where they throw it to Kirk, which I just didn't understand because then you put yourself in a compromised position, right? Because now it's like. Well, if we don't get this, we lost. Like, the game's over. And it's not like it was a time thing. There's plenty of time. We weren't working against the clock. You know, running the ball wouldn't, wouldn't have hurt us in that manner. I didn't understand that, but obviously it all worked out. And not only was that ETN run a first down, I mean, the guy had got 20, 20 on it and yeah. stayed in bounds. So it was just 
great field awareness too. Every time he touches the ball, I hold my breath because I think it's coming out. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. geez, I mean, the field goal kick on on TV, I was like, holy shit, he missed because that thing barely hooks in there. Mm. From our sec- from our point of view, we we thought it was out. Uh, in fact, the ball goes in the air and. You can hear a few, uh, <laughs> oh, damn. I didn't even know. Right? And then we see the stadium react, and we're like, oh, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The culmination of the of the emotional roller coaster. There was a guy, another guy behind me, right, who, who stuck through the whole the whole game, and he was, uh, he was, he was gone, man. He, was, he got progressively drunker and drunker. And at some point in the third quarter, when we're really, I mean, the thing's heating up, right? If we're, you're just down by 20, that's not, it's not a huge deficit. And as we start to score in that third quarter, you know, this guy's getting intense with his screams, man. I just hear these, like these bassy guttural doofal, and they get even more and more like <laughs> Like metally, like like death metal, doom metal <laughs> shit out of here. So he's he's doing these, and then and anything anything becomes just a scream like that, you know. Third down, it's third, <laughs> and I was like, dude, are you? Is this a is this a metal a metal screams only death death metal growls night? And he's like, you you better believe it. He's like, I'm losing my voice, but. Oh, this is worth it. And he, the kick goes through. And that guy, this guy's classic, man. Oh, he's so cool. He's so funny. He had like the hipster beard and like an old school 90s Jaguars hat and like a hoodie over it or whatever, right? He The kick goes through. Yeah. Everybody's celebrating. And he looks at me and he keeps saying, wait. No, no. <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait. 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 <laughs> I guess like in disbelief, you know, like surely it's going to be called back for something. You know, and I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to keep waiting. Like the everybody's stormed the field now. You look, right. look, it's done. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> well, there there was an offside. There was a flag for offside though on the Chargers. So ah, right, right. Which is actually makes it even sweeter because if he missed, you know, and I'm sitting there with my head down, and they're like, oh no, there's still a flag on the field. It's offside. Oof, you know, gets another crack at it. So. <laughs> That would have been even more dramatic, to be honest. But I'm glad he he made it on on the first try. It it makes it better. RP, Riley Patterson. (laughs) RP. Yeah, just just a great game. Obviously, there's a lot to clean up there. The receivers played great, man. Uh, Zay, Kirk, and Engram, they've carried this team all year. They're fantastic. Marvin Jones, usually good for one really good play. Defense already got their flowers, but... uh, one last time, we, we got to give a shout out to Jamal Agnew, man. It seems like when this team needs a spark, he he provides it with the return. And that's that's what being the specialist is all about. I feel like I have to toot his horn every single week. But I think what he brings to this team is just, it's invaluable, man. And it's things that get overlooked so easily. But he had some really good returns in this game that set the Jaguars up. Even though some of them led to turnovers. But he he brings that momentum. And he's he's a real game changer. Yeah, Jamal Agnew is by many measures an elite football player. Yeah, and just shows you what the impact of an individual can be a non a non quarterback individual can be on this game, and it's the, through largely through special teams is just super impressive. Yeah, especially as uh, as a special teamer, super impressive. So, 
Always a shot. I'm going to get a Jamal Agnew jersey. I swear if he's on the team still, I have to. That's what I was thinking, man. (laughs) Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. I love that guy. Go ask Brett James. He's probably collecting hundreds of them right now. (laughs) But yeah, Trevor Lawrence going to Waffle House after the game, which, you know, Pat Mahomes called the baller move. It is a baller move. And I actually made, made me love Trevor a little more because I am a sucker for Waffle House. And whenever I bring it up as a suggestion, hey, you know, let's let's go to Waffle House. I get some very dirty looks and a lot of no's. So I might actually celebrate with some Waffle House. If we beat the Chiefs, I'm going to go dine in at Waffle House. Trevor might have to switch from endorsing, what is it, Subway, and I'm sure there's some shampoo company or whatever, to to the good old good old WH, man. Yeah, no kidding. And I think he does do head and shoulders. <laughs> Any thoughts about the Jaguars going up into Arrowhead to play the Chiefs this coming Saturday? Yeah, well, we've been here before, right? We played a game here. Of course, this team was in a way different place, but so were the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are a much different team in the playoffs, man. And it's going to be their toughest challenge yet. I finally feel like we are going up against a coach where we don't have the edge as far as coaching goes. I don't feel like we have the edge at quarterback. It's it's going to be tough, man. It's tough to play those Chiefs. It's tough to st- stop Travis Kelsey. There's going to be screaming fans at Arrowhead just you know, waving their arms and doing the oh all day long, man. And it's I don't think the pressure's on the Jags anymore though. I I think it's on the Chiefs, you know. They're expected to be here. They're expected to make a Super Bowl run like they are, you know, like they have been for the past few years. And they came up short last year, losing to the Bengals, and I know they want their revenge. You know, losing is not on their mind. They have one goal in mind and that's to win another Super Bowl. And the Jaguars are over here playing with house money. It's a position they never thought they'd be in. And here we are. I don't see the Jaguars winning this game. I mean, the Chargers, I had faith. But I, I think the season does end here. Of course, I'm going to root them on. And I'm going to talk my shit and tell everyone we're going to beat them. But it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around us beating the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching from... Uh, bar at the Sundance Film Festival in Utah, and probably very snowy environment. Uh, ready to talk some trash. My uh, Jags jersey, sure, sure to draw some attention. Uh, by by the way, Deion Sanders was on my flight from Orlando to Dallas. Yeah, the, the picture that was so cool. As I, I walked by, he he saw my uh, Jags jersey. Gave me a little little nod, man. I mean, kind of you know acknowledgement nod. I don't know. He was on the phone. Couldn't talk to him. Yeah, which is actually neat because, you know, he he's always been like a supporter of the Jags low key because he used to be on, I think it's called NFL, it might be called a game day final and it, you know, airs on Sunday nights after, after Sunday night football's over and they do like actual recaps of the games, not these like short ones that ESPN does and they've gotten shorter, unfortunately, and they used to have Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin, I think on it. Something like that. And Dion would always defend the Jaguars in twenty seventeen. And then when they started to stumble, he he always loved the Jaguars for some reason. So well that's that's pretty cool to hear. He had Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye on for an interview uh, after I guess the first game right. of the twenty seventeen yeah, season yeah. where he just kinda like set the tone. 
hey, yeah, these guys are elite. You should pay attention to them. And then he came and visited the secondary room before the 2018 season <laughs> and gave them a, a pep talk. I don't know if that was a, a jinx, but I remember watching that one too. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. Well, 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 why wasn't he in Boulder? That's what I'm wondering, man. Doesn't he have, shouldn't he be staying in Boulder? I thought they got to get to work right away. Sco buffs, baby. Sco buffs. Yeah, it sucks, dude. My PhD office is in Folsom Field in his stadium. I would have been uh, just just uh, yards away uh, from this guy. I don't know for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. And 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 half the half the team that he's bringing from Jackson State too. Yeah, that's that's gonna be an exciting story for sure too. You could be recruiting right now though. You know. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence and Patrick Mahomes since week 11, including the playoffs, both have led their team to a 7-1 record Mm -hmm. with uh, Trevor 66% completion percentage, Mahomes 67% completion percentage, Trevor 16 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, including the 4 from the other night, and Mahomes 16 touchdowns, 5 interceptions nearly identical numbers i mean if if you want to you know be one of the best you gotta beat the best right don't they say something like that so it's it's gonna be a tough challenge for trevor i mean we're one game away from the afc championship and how big would that be man and uh, imagine if the Bengals come out because that'd be a, a rematch you know of a national championship game which we talked about last year when the Bengals and Jack squared off on Thursday night football, but that'd be a rematch. So I, I have a friend that's a Bengals fan and he's like, I really want you guys to beat them. You know, he never says shit like this. You know, he, he supports the Jags, but he's like, I really want you guys to beat them. Cause I'm sick of this. Everyone wants to see Mahomes versus Josh Allen. And that's all they care about. Right. And they have C he's like, I think it'd be cool. You know, if it was Lawrence and Burrow. Hmm. So he's like, you guys take care of business. We'll take care of business. And hopefully meet in the AFC championship. That would be nice. But I I mean, I don't know. I guess in that case, people are going to see Pat Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Ayo. <laughs> hey, they will this week. That's for sure. I'm sick of people saying the other Josh Allen. I mean, everybody, even the, the national sports personalities that are hyping up the Jags this week and yet TV newsrooms doing Duval chants and all kinds of shit. They're still saying the other Josh Allen. And oh, yeah, he's he's also pretty good. Just call him defensive Josh Allen, I guess. Offense do- Josh Allen, defense Josh Allen. There Something like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but our Josh Allen tends to score some touchdowns when needed. So uh, <laughs> can't rule that out. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Ex- exciting times, man, for us. So very exciting times. I'm very proud of this team. It's, it's a great time to be a Jaguars fan. And it set it at the end of the season when we made the playoffs. It may- makes all all those tough times worth it, I would say. Uh, yes, absolutely. And a shout out to everybody that was involved in this raucous tailgate the past weekend. Bold City Brigade, Teal Street Hooligans, uh, Eric Dunn, Dunn and Drew Show, leading the Casa, Spin the Casa craziness. Amazing experience to be there in Jacksonville. I'm super, super happy I went. Again, a huge shout out to everybody and a big a big thank you. And for all of those traveling to the Kansas City game, uh, you're in for hopefully a, an equally exciting experience. Very different environment, but equally uh, interesting 
And thank you, listeners, for joining this episode of The Drunken Jaguar. As always, we're an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Drunken Jaguar. And thank you, Ased. What a week it has been. No, it's been amazing, man. And hopefully there's there's more to come. But all we can do is sit and wait for Saturday night, and we're, we're back on NBC, which is going to be fun. we got the lead crew this time. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's coming up. Can't wait for it. Let's go Jags. Go Jags. saw that like Titans podcast page that was like tweeting all that shit about the jaguars that's always talking shit about the Jaguars. Uh, everybody's jumped on music city miracles yeah. yeah it's the sb nation equivalent over there oh is it yeah it's our rivals oh god whoever runs that account he, that guy seems like kind of a dick too i was reading through his tweets I was like this guy's like an ass <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> speaking of um, the guy, the metal, I think the metal growls guy, if I'm not mistaken, as the game was just completely disintegrating in that first half, people, yeah, everything just gets put into this terrible spin. Every time they cut to like fans on the side of the field, guessing in some trivia for a prize or whatever, to the halftime show singing the best day of our lives or whatever the f- that was, <laughs> everything was just like ironically depressing. And someone behind me at one point yells, instead of, it was always the Jags, right? Which is, this has been the theme, you know, this whole this whole several weeks. It's always yeah. us. It's always the Jags, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, and by the way, check out our, our video, my video summary on our on our Twitter Twitter feed. No, oh, it's so good. This guy, this guy, this guy goes, it was always my ass. <laughs> <laughs>